this is Leah, and welcome to this week's Hashtag for Paris podcast. It's wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. Let me ask you a question. Um, do you like it when your flaws are pointed out to you? Probably if you're like me, no, you do not. You don't like it when they're mentioned and you probably even try to hide them or if they are said anything to you, you try to justify them or excuse them or just kind of not make a big deal out of them. I mean, let's be honest, the, the human condition is that nobody loves being told what their flaws are. But have you ever considered that sometimes we can learn much from our flaws? That, that when we identify the issues, the brokenness in our lives, that'll actually make us better people. This summer, we're doing a series called Faithful and Flawed, and it's looking at different biblical characters and, and the incredible flaws and brokenness that they had, yet in the midst of it, God was faithful. My hope through this entire series is that as we listen, as we learn, that it's not just simply information, but rather transformation, that, that we can begin to make it personal, which means we're gonna have to admit we got flaws, we got issues, and, and begin to allow God to work in the midst of them as well. And so thanks for joining us again this week. Um, today we're gonna look at two brothers, James and John, and, and maybe you're, you're more familiar with them or a little less. Let me give you a little bit of background, and then we're gonna look at their story and look at a big blind spot in them, a major flaw in their lives, and what we can learn from it as well. James and John were brothers. Uh, they were from a fishing family, a, a relatively successful fishing family, and they were chosen by Jesus to be part of his 12 disciples, those that spent an enormous amount of time with them. But even more than that, James and John, along with another guy named Peter, were actually part of the inner three. They were the ones who were brought in. And you see as you read through the Gospels, the biographies of Jesus, how they were involved and were privy to conversations and encounters that no one else were. John, you may know a little bit more about. He was the one that was inspired by God to write five books in the Bible, in the New Testament. Both James and John had kind of simple, similar temperaments. They were quite passionate. They were full of zeal. Um, sometimes you could say they're actually overly aggressive. Um, early on in their ministry, in their relationship with Jesus, Jesus actually names them the Sons of Thunder. And we're gonna read a story that's going to sort of help us understand a little bit more. James and John did some incredible things for Jesus. They were incredible leaders in the early church. But before we get to the end of the story and too much, let's start at the beginning and have a little bit more understanding around what was one of their significant flaws and how Jesus used it to transform it and to transform them. And I believe the same is true for you and for me. First place we're gonna jump into today to learn a little bit more about James and John, and particularly this nickname, Sons of Thunder, is in Luke chapter nine. And it comes at a time in Jesus' ministry where Jesus is going to Jerusalem with his disciples. And the route, the quickest route, would be to go through a region called Samaria. Now, for most Jews, they would go all the way around. They would want nothing to do with Samaria because the Samaritans lived there. And if you know a little bit about the history, Jews and Samaritans didn't like each other. That's actually being probably a little bit too delicate. They hated 
one another. Historically, Jews despised the Samaritans because they viewed them as sellouts. They, 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 they married non-Jews, and then they started to blend their worship of God with other pagan religions, idolatry. And so they wanted nothing to do with them. Jews hated Samaritans, and Samaritans hated Jews. But if you notice a little bit about Jesus, he had a slightly different take on this relationship. And so Jesus is like, no, we're not, we're not going around. We're going to go right through Samaria. And so he sent a few of them ahead to basically find a place where they could sleep, find a place where they could eat. And let's read what happens. Luke chapter 9, beginning with verse 51. It says, as the time drew near for him, Jesus, to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Like, he's serious about this. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. So they went on to another village. Like, un unbelievable. Like, th th these are one of the encounters you're like, is this actually the Bible? Did, did Jesus' followers actually say this? I mean, sometimes we paint the followers of Jesus as being passive and, and non-aggressive and, and almost like doormats. And this is clearly not the case. Like, I get it. I get it. The, the Samaritans were not being very hospitable. They were refusing accommodation. They were refusing food. And so you can get annoyed. You can get mad. But, but James and John are like, Jesus, Jesus, we should burn the place to the ground. And Jesus rightly is like, uh, no, that's not the path we're going to take. He, he rebukes them, probably reminding them that, listen, listen, in case you're not listening, I have come not to destroy, but to save. And so burning a village, probably not on our agenda. Sons of Thunder, you start to see it, right? But, but do you start to see the blind spot? Do you start to see the flaw? Do you start to realize what they were missing as a follower of Jesus? Maybe not quite yet. So let's jump into another encounter, and this one just becomes crystal clear. It's found in, in, in Matthew chapter 20. Let me just read it. It's better read, and then we can talk about it together. So Matthew 20, verse 20. It says, Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request, he asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in the places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Oh, oh, yes, they replied, we are able. Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. My father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of this world lord it over the, their people and the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man 
came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Like, okay, I think it's becoming very clear what the blind spot was for James and John. But can, can, you, can you imagine? These, these grown men, grown men, asked their mom to go and do their bidding on behalf of Jesus. And, and, and to ask them to basically give them the best seats at the table. That, that as Jesus was entering into his kingdom, they thought there's going to be greatness, there's going to be great honor, and so we want to be next in charge. Like, Jesus, yeah, 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 you're, you're the most important, but, but after you, after you, let us, let us do it. And, and, and the other disciples are completely annoyed, right? Understandably. What's their blind spot? Probably with me on this, right? Humility. Like, talk about a total lack of humility. And what's, what's even fascinating is that previous to this, if you go back, Jesus had just finished speaking about the importance of humility. Like, like talk about a, a face slap moment for Jesus. Like, like, are you kidding me? Are you not getting this? I'm just talking about, about humility. And then you come to me, you, you come with your mom and ask to have the best seats at the table must have been so infuriating. But you see what Jesus did? He totally flipped the conversation. As they're de debating over who would have the best seat, Jesus says this, and these are words that were spoken 2,000 years ago, but as you start to lean in on them, man, are they culturally relevant for us today. In a, in a society that, that self-promotes and, and, and wants glory for ourselves, listen to what Jesus says he says you know the rulers in this world lord it over their people yep still happening today and officials flaunt their authority over those under them yep still happening today but among you it will be different this this is the transition jesus says among you among you it will be different listen there are the ways of the world but if you're going to be a follower of me it will look different in your life. He says, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give your life as a ransom for many. We, we live in a society that, let's be honest, acknowledges humility, talks a little bit about it, but doesn't really focus upon it, doesn't really promote it. I mean, look at social media. I mean, look at the media in general. Look at, look at how we present ourselves. We, we always want to be known as a somebody. We, we want the focus to be upon ourselves. We, we try to hide our blind spots. We try to hide the issues that we have in our lives. But do you see it in yourself? We're at a bit of a crossroads here. Because our minds can take us one of two ways. The first one is, you can be hearing this and be like, man, this is a message that I know someone needs to hear. Maybe in your family, maybe in your workplace, maybe, I don't know who it is. And you're like, oh man, oh man, I, they need to hear this because they are not humble. Probably not the best response. The other response is a recognition that this is an issue in my life. That I need to hear this. Because a lack of humility is probably a blind spot 
for me. So let's get real practical. Let's, let's understand what humility is and what it isn't. Humility is not making yourself a doormat. It's not thinking less of yourself and thinking you're not important, you're not significant, I'm just a nothing. No, no, it's, it's not that at all. Because Jesus, if we follow Jesus, we, we have our ultimate identity in us, that, 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 that our lives are valued, we, we are worthy, that Jesus came and he died for you and for me. And so to say I'm nothing, I'm worthless, that's taking down what Jesus has done for us. And so humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Bit of a nuance, but understand, humility is not thinking less of yourself, thinking you're worthless. Humility is thinking of yourself less. It's not making yourself the hero of the story. It's not making all of life all about yourself. This, this is what it means when Jesus says, among you it will be different. Jesus was asked in another place in ministry, Jesus, what is the most important thing? What is the greatest commandment? And he says, listen, do this. Love God with everything. Love others as you love yourself. Jesus is speaking about the posture of humility, about, about not making ourselves the focus. So what about, what about James and John? Like, did it take? What happened to the sons of thunder? What, what happened to the guys who wanted to like burn out villages and make themselves the most important disciples? We see transformation. We see how Jesus worked in their lives. You fast forward 14 years from these encounters to Acts chapter 11 and you read the account of how James was martyred for his faith. He was beheaded. You see, James did not lose his passion. The passion just wasn't focused on himself. It was focused upon Jesus. And interesting how James went from a posture of wanting to smoke those who opposed him to willingly live, get, lay his life down for the way of Jesus. I mean, that is incredibly humble. And we see this transformation in him. John, similarly, took on this posture of humility. He was once called one of the sons of thunder, but he got a new nickname, the apostle of love. John was someone who began to convey this incredible humbleness. You see it in his writings, in the Gospel of John, he, he never once mentions himself by name. Incredibly humble. John went on to, to live a very long life, but he eventually was exiled to a small island. Yet in the midst of it all, he continued to put his focus upon Jesus, his focus upon others. This flaw was transformed all because of Jesus. Among you, it will be different. So what about you? What about me? How do we begin to practically allow this to take root in our lives? Let me suggest three things. First one is this. Admit this is an issue. Admit that maybe we get too caught up in the idea of self-promotion, about making the focus on myself. That's a good starting point. 
recognize this is a message that, that, that you need to hear, not, not someone else needs to hear. I mean, a very unhumble thing to do is to say, listen, you need to hear a message on humility. That's probably not what Jesus desires. And so start there and say, yeah, this, this is an issue. I need to work at it in my life. And so what do we do? What do we do? Second thing is this. Don't focus on becoming more humble. You might be like, what? Joel, you just spent the last 15 minutes talking about humility. Now I'm not going to focus on it. You see, humility is shy. Humility likes to kind of lurk in the shadows. And when you draw too much attention to it, humility quickly disappears. Why? Because if you say, I want to be more humble, you're focusing again on yourself. If you want humility to come out of the shadows and appear in your life, don't make yourself the focus. Make God and others the focus. Begin to focus in on them. And, and understand, this, this can be such a challenge because so often in the midst of life, we want to make ourselves the focus. Let me, let me just give you two real quick examples. Number one is, recently I had someone come to me and talk about how someone else who's very important in my life was struggling with me was struggling with my reactions to them. Immediately, you know what my response was? Was, oh my goodness, I'm gonna make this right, I'm so sorry, no, no, no. My immediate reaction was like, what are they talking about? They, they, they've got it all mixed up. They, I don't do this, they've been doing this. And in my mind, the Holy Spirit is like, that's not the best response, Joel. If you want to make this relationship better, don't, don't go to them and, and justify and, and, and point out all the flaws in how they've not been treating you well. Be humble. Acknowledge the places where you've slipped up and go and get right with them. You see, it's so easy in life to make the focus upon ourselves. But that's not what humility does. Humility takes the posture of saying, I value the relationship over me just being right. Second way is, is when it comes to focusing on, on others is particularly how do you respond to those whom you disagree with? Could call them our enemies, but, but how do we respond? Do we respond like James and John when they basically were not being kind to Jesus and sort of like, let's burn them down? That's unfortunately too often the posture that, that many Christians take, that, that we're known more by what we're against than by what we're for. The posture of humility says, even though I may disagree, I'm still, I'm still gonna love you. I'm still gonna focus upon you. I'm, I'm still gonna treat you in a way that brings you dignity. You see, I think too often that the message of Christianity that, that has been rejected is not because people have rejected Jesus, but they've just seen how poorly followers of his have lived it out. And so maybe you come across someone this week with whom you disagree. What, what is humility going to say as to how you respond? And then the third thing, the third thing that, that is just a great litmus test for humility is admit when you're wrong, admit when you mess up, admit when you have flaws. Don't try to justify it, don't try to explain it away, just own it and say it, yeah, I messed up. So, this week, let me leave you two questions. If you want humility to come out of the shadows and appear in your life, 
If you want to land at a place where you admit that, yeah, you know what, I have a bit of a problem, um, I wanna focus on others, and yeah, I mess up. Use these two questions. The first one is this. Are my actions glorifying God? Are my actions glorifying God? That'll quickly tell you if you're focusing upon yourself or on others. That'll quickly tell you if you're trying to just sweep your issues under the carpet. So ask yourself this question, are my actions glorifying God? And the second one, are my actions benefiting others? How I treat others, how I focus on others, am I benefiting them? This week, this week, remember the words of Jesus. Among you, it will be different. In a world, in a culture that self-promotes, that wants to bring glory, that, that, that wants the best seat at the table, Jesus says, among you, it will be different. And it begins by taking a posture of humility. But when we step into this, we recognize the grace of Jesus at work in our lives. And so let me pray for you. Let me know what I'm cheering for you. <laughs> and be praying for me this week, because I always know that when I talk about a message, particularly on humility, I'm gonna have some opportunities this week to put it into practice. So let's pray. Gracious God, we give thanks that you are the God who loves us and cares for us. A God that in spite of our flaws remains faithful and shows us grace. Thank you, Jesus, that you are so humble that, that you took on the very nature of a servant, giving your life for our sake. In the same way, Jesus, help us, help us to be humble. To humble in, in, in response to those with whom we may disagree. To be humble in, 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 in moments where we may want to self-promote. May we act in a way that truly honors you. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so now may the blessing and love of God, the Father Almighty, the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the peace and the power of the Holy Spirit, not only be with you, but enable you and strengthen you to be humble in all your days. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Hope to see you again next week. today. We hope that you were encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris. Our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 1030 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispresb.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb, P-R-E-S-B dot C-A. 
And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, we have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get back, right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.